Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wool on us. Facing and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get First off, thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who has backed our Patreon campaign so far. Uh, if you like this podcast and would like to support us and allow us to do more of them, as well as add things like transcriptions for each episode, please go to patreon.com slash techdirt and sign up to support us. You also get some extra perks depending on what level you support us at, uh, including a special backers-only episode that will be coming in January. So make sure you sign up soon, and thanks again. Now, for today's episode, we wanted to discuss the Internet of Things, commonly referred to as IoT, which is certainly a popular buzzword these days for both good and bad reasons, depending on how you look at it. Suddenly, lots of devices and appliances are getting internet connections. And while some of them seem pretty silly at first, in, in many cases, the internet connection is actually enabling some pretty useful and cool features with that connectivity. But not all of it. Some of it is just adding a massive nuisance in some ways. And that's not even touching on the incredible lack of security found in many of these devices. A significant number of IoT devices seem to have been designed with absolutely zero thinking about security. It's why that we, we've taken to referring to the Internet of Things on TechTurt as the Internet of Insecure Things, it's been shown that many of these devices are quickly hacked with malware and become parts of botnets um, that are all over the place now. In fact, some of the recent attacks that have taken down websites and large portions of the Internet have been based on using these infected IoT devices to bombard certain key Internet ch uh, choke points with uh, somewhat astounding levels of traffic, levels of traffic that uh, companies have reported they've never seen before. And probably most of the owners of these devices have no idea about it, that their own devices are a part of taking down the Internet. In fact, many of them, many of the devices are actually locked up, so users couldn't even fix them directly, even if they knew what was going on. Security researcher Rob Graham recently bought an Internet-connected camera off of Amazon, and within about five minutes of hooking it up, he found that it had become infected with some malware connecting it to a big, well-known botnet and that it was reaching out, trying to find other devices to infect as well. Uh, it's easy for some to just sort of write off the space as, as stupid and not carefully thought out and argue that it's all uh, the Internet of shit, as one popular Twitter account is called, that sort of documents all of these ridiculous aspects of the Internet of Things. But as the guy behind that account actually admits, one of the reasons he's so interested in these internet-connected devices is because they actually do have so much potential and could, could be really, really useful in some cases already are. So for today's discussion with our usual co-hosts, Dennis Yang and Hirsch Reddy, I wanted to discuss sort of the pros and cons 
of the Internet of Things and the IoT revolution, as they call it. So let's start with uh, where you guys come down in general on IoT. Do you think it's a, a great thing, exciting, wonderful potential, or horrible, terrible, or, or are you indifferent? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about the, the premise of like an, a connected future, I guess you can say that. I mean, like what, what exactly are we talking about here? It's like connecting every possible device that is, you know, well, like I, I to mean, the internet or, I mean, you could always say like, well, you know, there are certain devices that shouldn't be connected to the internet and have sure. no advantage there. So it's not about connecting everything, but right. But, but as far as convenience, like, you know, so I was just, just today, you know, it was actually cold in my apartment and, you know, I, instead of walking over to my nest, I actually just said, like, Alexa, turn <laughs> the living room to, to 72 degrees. And it worked. Oh. And it was amazing, right? And for anyone that's listening to our podcast on a speaker, hopefully I turned your living room temperature to 72. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is, like, I mean... So there there you've just demonstrated both the pros the and the cons. Thing, yeah. <laughs> Alexa, unlock my front door. So that's the other thing. <laughs> um <laughs> No. Yes, but but you know to some extent, right? That that at the same time, like some people argue, like is that is that really necessary? The fact that you can sit there and be lazy in your chair and speak it's, up. It's no. And, it wasn't about being lazy. It was like okay, yes. I mean, getting up from the chair to turn to turn things on and off. Ever since the advent of the remote control, like okay, yeah. you know that was definitely nicer. You don't have to, you don't. We didn't have to walk to the TV to change the channel anymore. Um, but really, like, I think the the voice thing, the integrated thing, was genuinely nice. And but this is know, not this is not what people are talking about when they say Internet of Things, right? It's not just about it's part, voice part control. of it. No, it's 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 part I mean, of it. It's, I think it's it's a, it's a tiny all of it part. working together, right? Sure, I think is, but is the neat thing. Um, I, I think Internet of Things is is much bigger than that, right? It's like it's yeah. connected devices. In yeah. your industrial equipment, in your in your cars, in right. your appliances, Everything. right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just these small convenience things, right? It's 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 it, it can be a lot bigger than that. It can be ubiquitous sensor data constantly right. being reported. It's like, um, I mean, it's it's everything from having the lights turn on when you walk into a room, right, to being able to monitor your car remotely, like see, like you know, I wonder, like, how much, like, do I need to get gas right now? Like, my car is actually connected via my Metromile, and it reports my current gas gauge, right? Like, things like that. This is all connected. Um, and it is it is convenient. And the question is, like, are we kind of throwing way too much technology at it um, for this world of ultimate laziness? Or is it is it additively kind of beneficial to the quality of our lives? I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So this is why I was saying that it's not really about that. It's those things are just like, uh, if, if, we're, if we talk about Internet of Things as being kind of like a continent, right? All the stuff you've been discussing in terms of what the benefits are, are like yeah. the island of Ireland, right? Like, <laughs> like a tiny, a small part of it. Ireland the, is lovely. The, it is lovely, but it's, it's, it's just a small part of it. And there's huge other things that are like much more important. So, for example, the benefits to the economy from sort of automated lights and 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 yeah. garage openers mm-hmm. and all these things are, are one thing but the much larger impact on the economy is the fact that for example a bus will report back to the repair station 
right before it needs servicing or before a part is going to fail, right? Saving the bus from being taken out of rotation or doing uh, repairs on a vehicle or a piece of industrial machi machinery that prevents a catastrophic failure because it's now able to re report in real time kind of uh, the symptomatic uh, issues that typically come up mm -hmm. before a failure. And how do we even know what the symptomatic issues are that, uh, that create failure? It's because a... The Internet of Things allows, uh, allows the gathering of so much information that we can run machine learning on it. And that machine learning allows you to build predictive models in ways that couldn't in the past. Yeah, and, and, I would, and I would argue that, you know, having all of my lights hooked up to the Internet of Things is mm -hmm. additive to that same scenario. Like knowing the energy usage in a city, like with sure, all of sure. that data is amazing. But, yeah, but the, but the laziness factor stuff of that is like yeah. a small part of it. I mean, I think the right. bigger part of it is really the fact that like, it's, two, it's twofold. The connectivity obviously allows you to... Uh, send commands to things like lights and garage mm -hmm. openers and the laziness thing. But the the bigger issue is also, I mean, the, or the bigger advantage is the fact that all those devices are reporting back. And that data that you're getting from multiple different places, including, like you said, the automobile, allows you now to build predictive models and to do things that we can't do today. So it has nothing to do with kind of the laziness of, of people. It's going to open up it has whole new opportunities. Yeah. It, it, it opens up whole new possibilities of products yeah. of, of new and efficient ways of utilizing gear of, of preventing uh, breakdowns you know like all kinds of things like that and i think if you're if, if we're talking about that kind of a world where data is flowing every, in, in, mm -hmm. in lots of different places i think the interesting question there to ask is um it it's going to change society obviously the laziness thing maybe that's an issue but i think the bigger issue and a real concern i think would be what is the sort of impact on uh, uh, things like privacy, right? Once mm -hmm. you once you have ubiquitous surveillance systems everywhere, where you where the devices that you, c you carry are characterizing you in in many more ways than they are today. It's mm -hmm. more than just location now. It's like maybe yep. it's your location, it's your heartbeat, it's how fast you walk. All these kinds of pieces of data are floating. How how are the, those pieces of data permissioned? How uh, in yeah, the, in, or, or exactly. even even as you were talking about, like you know, you're talking about like preventing cars from breaking down. But the same is true of people. You know, your heart heart rate and, and information like that, and your insurance company probably wants to know that. And you know, uh, and and you know, it may get to situations where you'll get cheaper insurance if you're willing to share your real time heart rate, you know, with your insurance mm -hmm. company. Yeah. But you know, but also, what happens if you know if your heart rate monitor is is hacked and all that information is leaked, and then then what happens? Like, can your insurance company use that and, and or could other people use that against you? And so yeah. it, it does raise all sorts of, you know, interesting privacy um, questions. And so, and, and, and I think like Hirsch, going back to the point that you, you raised a second ago, I think that's true. There's like a point that I've always made for, for many, many years and, and written about on Tektor is this idea that like whenever anything new comes along, like the first thing that we do with it is sort of like try and recreate the own, the, the old thing with, with maybe a little bit something new. And I think that's sort of like mm -hmm. the laziness solution. Like, oh, okay, I can do, I can turn on my lights or change the temperature with my voice instead of getting up and, and, and walking around. But right. Hirsch, what, you, what you're pointing out is, is the stuff that like the real killer apps, the things that, that really change the world are the ones that simply could not have been done before, before this technology existed in any way. And those are the kinds of things that you're talking about. Like when you have all this data, it begins to open up all these new possibilities. And we're just sort of scratching the surface nowadays on, on what those possibilities might be. Yep. But at the same time, we're also just starting to scratch the surface on what the implications of that might be 
um, on, on the potentially negative side as, as you know, in addition to the, to the positive outcomes. There's, there's, there's some, with the, the, the larger the, the sort of the volumes of data that, that um, are being sort of gathered and put into our computing system, I think the larger the, uh, the possibility is that we will lose some degree of autonomy in terms of the kinds of decisions that we make in, in, the, in the workplace and even at home, you know, to some extent. I, mean, think, I think as more data sort of enters the system, and this is maybe sort of a more philosophical thing, but there will be, the computer can now produce sort of optimal actions for you, right? Now, whether it is sort of an optimal lifestyle that the health insurance company sort of incentivizes you to sort of uh, to, to follow in order to reduce your healthcare premiums, and using sort of the wedge of the healthcare premium discount as kind of a stick to get you to sort of conform to a healthy lifestyle, or whether it is the uh, a, a a worker in an office being kind of directed by a centralized sort of uh, uh, corporate. Uh, human management system that says, hey, okay, this task is done. We can track that you've done it this quickly. Now, please move on to this task. Now, move on to this task, you know, kind of uh, removing the human element from management of, mm-hmm. of, of tasks and really having a computer center directing you in work, what you should be doing. Um, and, and I don't just mean sort of, I, I think that that level of sort of uh, direction is already done for, for example, warehouse uh, style workers in Amazon warehouses, they're, they're constantly being told, okay, pick this package up and put it over here in this box. And they're already directing that way. But I, I mean, even white collar workers, people working on things that we would consider sort of like higher level work, um, you know, even they may start to be directed, like the computer may, may having tracked them, say things such as, it is time for you to take a break because it's clear that your attention is wavering because, you know, you're turning away from your screen or you know, your attention, you see what I'm saying? Like you can be tracked in so many ways with so many signals without some kind of um, legislative control on that. I suspect, you know, why wouldn't you be incentivized as an employer or an insurance provider to, uh, to take that kind of information that's out there well, and sort of and, and direct people. And I don't mean forcefully. Yeah. The insurance company <laughs> wouldn't force you to do it. They would simply say, hey, you know, if you... Uh, follow the instructions that our mobile app tells you to do, right? The mobile app is, you know, now monitoring you and it's telling you, okay, well, you've taken this many steps. If you walk another uh, 800 steps today, you're going to get this much of a discount or or rather they could do it even more globally and say, hey, you know, if you meet this target um, <clears throat> every day on average, you'll get, for steps walked, you will get this kind of a discount. If you eat this much fewer carbs, you'll get this discount, right? And And you would be incentivized to stay within the parameters that it gives you and it would be giving you feedback. And, and if you violated it too much, the system would be telling you, oh, your premium is going to go up $50, $100. And so no one's forcing you, but you might, you might sort of conform your behavior regardless. And similarly, in the workplace, it's not that the computer or the employer necessarily would feel free to sort of terminate you, but the, but the employer or the, or the supervision algorithm might say that, hey, your productivity is going to be higher if you work on this task after this one because it's a different kind of task and you're clearly you know, your attention is, is wavering now, you will be more likely to get a XYZ promotion because you're going to be working more efficiently if you work on this task. I mean, you see what I'm saying? Like these kinds of things, it, 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 they won't sneak up on us like kind of robot overlord style. <laughs> It'll be more like, oh, you're helping yourself. We're helping you. It, it, that's the way it's, it's going to... Yeah, we'll, we'll nudge our way into <laughs> into some sort of authoritarian Well, I don't think it's... Control. I don't want to say that I'm talking <laughs> about authoritarianism, but it's certainly a type of 
you're losing autonomy. You're giving it up voluntarily, and it's mm-hmm. not necessarily a bad thing either. It's like you are making more optimal choices. For example, let me give you uh, a simple one. For example, people right now will go to websites that life coach them, right, or to forums or something that say, "Hey, mm-hmm. you should work this out this much. You should go out and meet people X amount so you make more friends. You're too introverted." Like people are giving humans are giving other humans advice. It's actually suboptimal advice a lot of times. They don't know the specifics of the human that they're giving the advice to. They give mm-hmm. general advice. They say, oh, you know, you haven't had too many dates. It's clearly because you work too much and you don't go out and meet people and, and things like that. So you should go out and, and they give you a prescription like, oh, you should go out three times a week or whatever. Or, you, or they'll just give you a very general prescription. You just need to go out more. Whereas a computer would give you something very specific. It'd say, okay, I can see that you're back at 5 p.m. today. Your heart rate is good. You don't feel too lazy. There's no excuse to not go out and meet some people today. <laughs> and we'll just direct you to do that. And you can choose to ignore it, but you know that it's doing it to your own benefit or to reach a particular goal. So you might just start obeying it. And this is the type of autonomy that I mean that people will lose uh, as there's more data, as there's more kind of feedback back and forth in the system between the users and devices and back again from those central intelligences back to the humans. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. That's, that was a lot. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to process all that. That was um, that, that. That is is a lot. We, we've suddenly entered like a dystopian science fiction novel. It's not dystopia though. I don't know why <laughs> what I've described is considered a dystopia. It's simply a different way of living. I mean, to sure, some extent, sure. you realize that what we are living in today in 2016 went to somebody in 1920s looked dystopian. We're, sure, we're looking at these little glowing screens that. Mm-hmm light us with an unholy light, right? Like you look like a zombie, <laughs> right? You get this pallid uh, look to you. And everyone's just uh, completely focused on them. And to an observer who doesn't understand what's going on behind the screen, it looks like they're slaves to a device. But I mean, we're voluntarily doing it because we're being entertained or we're being educated or we're performing work. But to, to an observer, it looks much different. It looks like everyone's been enslaved by these devices right it, it just it, w- it looks completely different when you go into a subway now versus subway in 1980s you look at the pictures of people right like they are these devices look like they've controlled human beings right but but that's not the case it's the human beings that's controlling the devices it just cosmetically looks that way so similarly cosmetically it looks to you guys like a dystopian future but really what it is is everybody essentially signing up for a a personal improvement plan or an optimization of their life that centrally directed and even after that description i do realize some people would say this is dystopian you know and i'm sure we've had guests on this uh this very podcast that would would make that claim right but i don't think it's necessarily true yeah but i mean you know so i think we've sort of so so far you've sort of been very focused on kind of like and sort of personal tracking devices and and sensors and things like that. But like, you know, the IoT space, again, like if what Dennis was describing was Ireland, what you're describing now is like, I don't know, Canada? <laughs> well, it, it is, it, well, what I'm, the reason it has a much bigger uh, impact on the on the human factor, right? Or on but the Canada's economy. bigger than Ireland, right? No, 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 it, it's, it's not even that. It's that it's because there is, there will be, of course, a fully autonomous portion of the economy right or a Mm -hmm. highly autonomous portion of the economy where a whole bunch of iot stuff will be machine to machine communication m2m people are saying will be happening right and it will be wholly directed by sort of uh by by machine intelligence but and this is the far future probably right but in the nearer term the the human element in the economy just doesn't disappear right like there will be humans everywhere and and, and, but i'm not saying that like but but you know 
you know, I, I think this you're... is why what I would say is it's bigger than Canada for that reason. Because <laughs> the human okay. directed worker, I mean, the machine directed human worker is everywhere and will be ubiquitous, right? Will be all over, right? And to some extent, you can already see that, right? Like maybe what I'm saying is real, like actually rather than being something like very sci-fi is actually very blasé because it's in, to some extent it's already happening. Like, like aircraft are directed by, um, by computer programs and the way they're scheduled. And to some extent, you could say that every ground crew worker working on an aircraft and every pilot and every air hostess is to some extent already commanded by a program, right? And I'm, yeah. only, sim I'm only simply saying that that same program now just reaches deeper down in and gives it even more tactical feedback to the humans sure, and, and sure. commands but, but that rather than at one time it does it hour to hour minute to minute right yeah but but i think i think what i'm getting at is, is what you're focused on right now is very much the sort of using the data of devices to to then sort of nudge humans in in a certain direction or or incentivize them to to optimize or you know however however you want to phrase that but like you know a lot of the sort of you know, things that people talk about with IoT is not necessarily about like optimizing your life directly, mm -hmm. but about, you know, creating new products that themselves have more value and more features. And, you know, like, you know, I mean, some of it gets back to the laziness that Dennis was talking about, but there, are, you know, there are things like, you know, the, the IoT doorbell, you know, or whatever, or, or door lock that, you know, allows you to, to like let guests enter your house from, from their phone or something like that. And, and that's not about tracking you or optimizing mm -hmm. what you're doing. That's about providing a really useful feature, right? Yeah, sure. The connectivity, the things that comes from the, there'll be a lot of stuff that will come from connectivity. Um, I, I really, to me, that's really like the 1.0 kind of IoT. I mean, it's just, it's almost like stuff you could do with direct radio connection. It just becomes more, it just becomes easier to do it with IoT. Yeah, it's a, or it's a range extension as like, you know, if you had a limited range to open your car door in the past because the range of, uh, of a radio transmission was small, well, now the, uh, the internet essentially makes that range infinite. So that's sort of a thing. Yeah, I mean, I think, that those kinds of things, there, there's going to be a lot of them. There's going to, of course, be all kinds of use of video and audio, two-way communication. There's going to be all kinds of uses of for location-based stuff. Like, um, yeah, certainly. Like right now, you know, I think probably one of the biggest spaces of of IoT stuff are are internet-connected cameras. You yeah, know, security like, mm, cameras. Drop cam, Nest cam. They're yeah. amazing. And, and to be able to kind of check up on things. And I mean, not only is it, I mean, it, it's nothing new to have a camera connected to the internet, but I think what Nest has done with their camera is just make it like kind of really almost dead simple and, and useful, right? So not only is it just connected all the time, it has other like kind of more advanced features. Like I, I received a notice, you know, that my camera noticed that a human was in the room. Like they're doing interesting things now with it to, to, to basically you know, encourage you to leave it kind of on and recording all the time because it's otherwise you're never going to review any of that footage. Um, and I think that that's part of what Hersh, what you were saying was that by having all these devices connected and collecting data, like we're seeing what interesting applications are being created now. Now that we have all this connectivity and data, when and we're just in the beginning, right? Oh, by the way, just a, a quick warning as an aside, Dennis, when you turn yeah. your Nest on and you leave it on all the time, mm -hmm. you may get a notice from your ISP that says that you're uploading too much data. It turns out that the HD, I guess, upload, it's just a constant stream and it just builds up to gigabytes and gigabytes every day. 
Um, and uh, it's something I didn't realize, but um, you know. Dip, huh. dip, but anyway, that's well. You know, I guess that is relevant in terms of the IoT stuff because yeah. I mean, that's a that's a very useful connected device. You know. Yeah. Um, I mean, my house is pretty much. I'm, I'm surrounded by IoT right now. I'm looking <laughs> at my Nest Cam. I'm looking at my Nest thermostat. I've got Alexa in the corner. Yeah. My garage is hooked up. You know, like everything is good. There's, there's a lot of stuff where I think the ideas have kind of outpaced the reality of the infrastructure we have. So, uh, you know, the video don't, is... Don't ideas always outpace no, infrastructure? No, yeah, th- th- that's probably true. Uh, but I, it, I mean, I think I, I think there is a valid point. I mean, like one of the discussions, this is going a little bit, uh, you know, a, a step further away, but I think comes naturally from, from exactly what, Hirsch, what you were talking about, is like, you know, there, there, was, there was recently a debate on, online about like, um, you know, how much bandwidth does anyone actually need? And like, yeah. you know, if they're just connecting to the internet and like, you know, the biggest thing that they're doing is, you know, watching Netflix or something like that, yeah. they only really need so much um, bandwidth to do that. But if we're connecting, you know, you know, 10 devices in our house that also need things, including high definition video, like... Yeah, and they're sending high definition video to yeah, and, a server and, and that feasibly I'm not, I'm not ever watching, right? Because right. it only stores it for a week and then it, then it gets thrown away. Like, is that... That's pretty... It could be considered wasteful, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's just Maybe. a different use, right? I mean, so, yeah. like, if we get to the point where... It's the same thing. Like, if we get to the point where bandwidth is, is super abundant... Mm-hmm. then it's okay to waste it, right? I mean, that's kind of the whole, like, Carver Mead theory of yeah, of technology. Yeah. That, you know, when when you get to a point of abundance, then then wasting is good because yeah. you can do all sorts of, of things with it. So the yeah. funny thing with, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the Nest camera uploads with the videos is that I think we're, we're at the stage kind of like Netflix, like, five years ago or maybe even mm-hmm. ten years ago where, like, only a few people were streaming and so their quality was good. But then as everyone saw how <laughs> awesome it was, everyone starts streaming and then it gets clogged. There's like this period where the quality goes down. And then, of course, the providers of bandwidth, they expand their capabilities. And then, of course, everyone has a good time. Well, so I think yes and no. I mean, th- and, in and, some and, markets, at least. Yeah, but, and, but, and part, part of, well, uh, yeah, it's a slight aside. But like part of the reason why the quality got bad was because effectively the ISBs held Netflix hostage yeah. to get them to pay more to, to clear up the clog when they, you know. It was yeah, simple. True, true. So let, let, let's, let's leave that aside for a second. But with the <laughs> Nest Cam for the uploads, right? Like, I think it's going to be the same thing. Like, whole neighborhoods of people are not uploading video continuously now, right? Most of the most of the pipes are really biased towards download, right? Yeah. But mostly people are downloading, and very few people are uploading. There's a few people who are doing file sharing on BitTorrent networks. There's a few people that are doing, um, you know at any given time are doing a kind of a chat with a grandparent or something like that over FaceTime. There's probably a few people doing voice communication. Uh, I guess we're recording this podcast right now remotely, and that's a small amount of bandwidth, not a huge amount. Yeah. But like you can imagine in the future, though, everyone in the neighborhood has an S-cam. All of a sudden, you know, that Comcast uh, bandwidth limit, which was, you know, maybe what is it 25 megabits up or 75 whatever it is for the neighborhood all of a sudden that's far from adequate right because everybody in the neighborhood is trying to upload stuff at the exact same time and i I think it's true in the same way that there i mean there hasn't been that many applications that upload that much data so hopefully the isps will respond with relevant kind of options or more just more more, symmetrical just more more symmetrical 
But I mean, the reason why it's asymmetrical now is because most of the usage is download, right? So, well, there's also know. technical reasons, Dennis. Well, well, really. I mean, you have to invest a lot more to make a. Yeah, it's not a, a lot more. It's you know that's it's not a, it's not technical reasons. It's it's, it's planning and, and it's it's yeah, yeah it's it, business decisions were made yeah. to to to. It's not a tech, the, There's no technical issue. issue. Well, let me put it different. It's, it's it's an economic reason, yeah, right? Sure. It's, it's a more expensive sure. to build that way. Yeah, no, that's what I, no, I'm, yes I mean, and no, but yeah, and to, but to to some extent, right? There's like a chicken and egg question too, which is like, yeah. well, you know, do we only have applications that are more download intensive as opposed to upload intensive because that's the way the network is constructed or you know is it is the network constructed that way to match the reality of how people use the internet yeah. and so you know i don't know that there is an answer to that question yeah yeah so anyway so so two other things i wanted to talk about so one is just you know starting to think through like some of the other things around IoT and sort of the other opportunities. And like the ones that people always joke about are things like, why would you ever need, you know, your coffee machine to be connected to the internet or your refrigerator or things like that? Um, you know, do we think that there are actually interesting ideas there? I mean, I like it's easy to make fun of those things and it's easy to sort of mock them. Like, you know, the, the refrigerator, you just need to keep stuff cold. But like there are some potentially cool ideas about like tracking how much food is in your refrigerator and when you need new things and stuff like that. Well, once everything else is tracked, your refrigerator will feel real stupid if it can't track what's in it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like if you go to work and everything and you every machine in your job is like reporting when it's needs a part or when the printer is saying hey, I need a ink cartridge and it actually goes ahead and orders its own ink cartridge then you're when you get home you're going to feel real stupid if your fridge doesn't know how to order milk right like so well <laughs> i don't know like is that true i mean I, people will very quickly i mean think about this dude back in the day when you needed to upgrade an application you actually consciously you yourself went and upgraded the application true. right it wasn't that long ago we remember it right we would go and buy a new version 1.03 or we'd apply a patch or whatever and now recently, somebody who's in our age group was going off the rocker because mm. one application in his Mac book, uh, which he got from the Mac store, for some reason didn't auto update with the update, but asked him, hey, do you want to update, right? For some reason, maybe because the developer didn't want to automatically force an update on people, whatever it is. He got so irate, like it's so quick that people kind of flip the <laughs> switch and go from like, taking a convenience and making the convenience into sort of a necessity now auto updates of every single thing you were just expect it and i think it's the same thing i think in the future like right now we think it's the silliest thing in the world but in the future the fact that you could open your fridge and there not be milk there mm -hmm. will irritate you you'll be like where's my milk the stupid fridge like it can never get it right it never <laughs> orders milk in time right like where's my uber delivery of my milk like, you're just gonna get completely irritated that there's the fact that you need to think about it like you won't even think right. about going to a grocery store and that's not laziness that's just kind of improvement progress yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's unfair uh, to call that laziness i think well well it, it's a type of laziness but you'll be busy doing other things you'll be doing things and being busy with other things because well, it's so, kind of like saying like oh the fact that we don't have to worry about being eaten by like predators and lions yeah like, that's definitely lazy. laziness we are exactly <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I if, 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 something to me about like the whole idea of like your refrigerator ordering new milk or whatever. To me, I don't know. To me, that feels like the the science fiction version of what people think the future will be like, but that the reality 
you know, that's not such a useful feature. Oh my still, God. I still have to go to the store Imagine, to get milk. You're so wrong. Let me tell you what happened. <laughs> Let me tell you what, why, uh, right before I got on this podcast with you, what was going on in my house. We have a dinner today. My wife is cooking while I'm doing this podcast with you. And while she was cooking, she realized that the uh, Google, whatever it's called, Google delivery service, I can't remember what it's called, but we, we, she had ordered a bunch of food on, through the Google delivery service and they were supposed to give her Parmesan cheese, which was necessary for the recipe that she's cooking. And she just assumed she had it because the service has said that the goods were delivered. It turned out they weren't delivered. So she didn't have the Parmesan cheese. Now, typically what would happen in this kind of scenario is you would never <laughs> be in that situation because you would know that you either have parmesan cheese or you would go out and buy it right like you wouldn't just assume oh well i ordered it on like google express and it's just going to show up and be there but she just got so used to it over the last year of just having everything that is in the google express essentially showing up that she just took it for granted and i think it's the same thing mike like you you were gonna <laughs> it's not it's not a question of like you think oh well i'm not gonna buy the fridge with that feature because i think it's a stupid feature i think what's going to essentially happen is you're going to go, you're, you're essentially going to get, probably get a fridge with that feature built in. Sure. And you're not going to turn it off. Yeah, no, right? and, and I guess. I, I just, like, I, my point is not not necessarily that. And, and I don't deny that, like, you know, if that comes in the future, like, possibly I would use it. Sure. I, I think the point, it, it just feels like that's not going to be, like, the defining factor. Like, I always feel like the things that we think are going to be... Oh, of course it's not going to be the defining thing. No, no, of course not. I, I don't disagree with you there. It'll be one thing. In fact, the thing I said at the head was what I think is going to be more defining. The fact that yeah. us sort of as a species sort of exercising less autonomy is, yeah. is going to be the sort of the big thing, right? Like, I mean, so Dennis was saying, right? Like, we don't worry about being hunted by animals anymore and we don't develop sort of survival strategies and 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 skills that are would be necessary in the wild or a similar way i think certain brain functions are going to atrophy uh not in an evolutionary sense of course uh, yeah. but i mean i mean just like you just will not let me tell you something dude like in terms of brain <laughs> skill right like when i was younger right i i didn't have calculators i i, I went oh, to it, right i i would because uh, I, I went to high school in india and, yeah. uh, and and as a result, I had to do all these calculations in my head, right? Yeah. And I was very good at like doing multiplications and divisions and stuff very quickly. And it took about maybe three or four years of doing college in the United States to kind of for that skill to atrophy because I just was using automated ways of doing things. Right. right? Maybe it was even ten years. I can't remember. But but now I can't even. You know, a lot of people still can. So this is not an excuse. This is. I'm just talking about my experience because there's certainly people who go into a restaurant and calculate the tip off the top of their head, right? <laughs> I can't do it anymore. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I can't do it anymore. And uh, and I did well in math, right? I mean, geez. So it's not like I, I don't know how to do it, it, it on paper. It's just that my brain is just uh, not tuned to doing it. There's certain shortcuts you use. No, so similarly, I think there's, there's, there's certain mental tricks you have to use. Like, for example, for working out, there's certain disciplines you needed to have before they invented things like boot camps and apps to nudge you into working out. And now that mm. app and that boot camp is the handicap that essentially allows that whatever self-discipline part of your brain to atrophy because you have these like crutches to lean on for those habits. And similarly, there was probably different kinds of skill sets that you could build up or habits you could build up to prevent yourself from overeating. But now with certain 
you know, app diet tracker things that you can sort of hand over that autonomy too. And something will tell you when you can eat and you don't have to think about it. Right. Like it's, there's there's going to be different things like that. And, and if the skills atrophy, so be it. I mean, big deal. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's, that's one of the interesting things, right? So, I mean, like, I mean, you're talking about the math example and like doing math in your head and like, you know, I mean, there've been all these sort of moral panics over the years, like, you know, probably a little bit before we were in school, but not that, I still remember hearing about it, like people complaining about, you know, kids these days using calculators instead of, you know, yeah. figuring out how to do math on their on their own or even, you know, even using I mean, the slide rule. Yeah. You the, know? Slide roll, the slide rule was was removed the year before we got to college. Right, so. right. No, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing that I think those, that particular moral panic that people were right, being mm-hmm. able to sort of work with big numbers in your head and get sort of approximate ranges of things and be able to bullshit detect on the fly when people tell you certain things, uh, you know, whether it's a GDP claim or, uh, you know, what their profit margins will be or whatever, just being able to kind of process things quickly in your head is a skill that will not go away until computing and personal computing, mobile computing gets much, much better. Because sure. Well, I mean, once once you have an IoT set of glasses that or, or yeah, ear, exactly. ear implant that, that listens to everything, and when something comes up, it pops up yeah. a big red sign that says yeah. bullshit numbers, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, exactly. you could outsource that to a no, computer no, yeah, if, if you No, no, it's not there yet. To. Right. So, no, so, no, I, no, so I so I think the when they said you know using calculators was bad, I think they were actually to some extent they were right. I, I feel no. like I feel like I'm, I'm I am definitely less anal- able to sort of analyze things on the fly. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't. Younger. I don't buy that. I don't. I don't think. You know. I I think it's. I like, think it's it's an easy story to kind of tell and kind of yeah. embrace. But I don't. I don't know. Like is like is the the absence of doing long division make me less cognizant of what what numbers truly mean? Like, I don't know if that's a correlation. No, no, it's not that so much as being able to like, for example, one of the things like McKinsey consulting will do when they Mm -hmm. are interviewing candidates is they'll put them through a lot of exactly this kind of stuff, right? Hand working through numbers and getting to sort of doing back of the envelope calculations really quick and in your head. And that still happens without calculators today. You know, and and the, but there's definitely everyone can't do that. And the reason they can is because they lean on calculators so much. And one of the things you'll do if you're preparing for McKinsey as an undergrad is you will get rid of your calculator and kind of train yourself to do math without a calculator for that reason. And and the reason they want their consultants to have that ability is because you need to be able to kind of to talk very quickly in meetings and to process information. And if you're the type of person that leans on a calculator, it's not, it's you, it's not that you can't pull out a calculator and quickly do the calculations that you're thinking about in your head. Mm-hmm. The thing is the volume of information that you need to process quickly in your head, it would be prohibitive for you to sit there and type it into the calculator. You need to be able to sort of hold it all in your head, process it on the fly. You know what I mean? Like you, you, those kinds of tricks, right? Like how do you – like how to throw away the insignificant digits very quickly, take the significant ones, do the math you need to, track it all in your head. It's not just about math rules. It's about actually being able to – manipulate and hold numbers in your head um that kind of skill is not it has nothing yeah, like, to do with like, really. es- like it's like estimating yeah estimates yeah. and things like that and and i i i think uh it's something that's definitely atrophied right like you find very few young people that can do that you find some but older generation like my grandpa's generation they could all do that all the engineers could do that and now it's 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 much rarer that you can find someone we can just go up to and say oh uh you know, 17, what is 17% of like uh, 1,240, right? And a lot of people just stall on the fact that that's too many digits. Well, in 
My grandpa's generation will just throw out the 40, just do the 1,200, take the 17%, maybe 20%. <laughs> like, you know, they'll get you a roundabout number very quickly. But just that skill of doing that, I've described it very quickly and, and you know, it makes it sound very trivial. But just being able to do that, right, very quickly. Uh, right, but, but I mean, so the, but the counterpoint to that, and we're, we're going a little far yeah, away Yeah, way now, far. But, 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 but the counterpoint to that is like, yes, but most people now could also, you know, pull out their phone and yeah, tell and you, the, into the you and, and not not just that but also like a whole bunch of other things right and like tell you the population of madagascar right i mean like you know mm-hmm. all sorts of information that's at our fingertips like yeah if, if you're talking about the trade-off of being able to calculate 17 percent of alexa of, what's 17 percent <laughs> of 1240 <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't answer did she yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so right back around to the, the, the lazy. Yeah, but you can't. You can't. It's like she's right there. I asked yeah, it her. took so long though, right? That's, because that's she had to talk. No, I know. That's exactly. I mean, that's part of it, right? I like, know. it worked pretty well. Yeah, and and again, when you have the glasses and the contact lens implants, then then it'll just appear. And so, yeah. so I, I I mean I I get it I get it I get it. But all right, so so one final one final topic which we didn't really talk about, and, and maybe it's because it's not that big of a deal. But like the the whole question of the security thing, we talked about the privacy issues, and we sort of mentioned security a little bit, and I talked about security. In Mike, the that's that's your oh, it's not a big deal. We don't. That's like the one of the huge things, right? What, the like, security of the privacy. Which the, one is not a big deal? Both of those. But I, I, I'm not saying it's not a big deal. I'm asking. He, he's bringing I'm it asking, up. Is is it <laughs> oh, is I it thought, a big I, deal or or and I so I will say up front like yes like right now it's a huge deal and the security on these I things think, is I terrible. I think it's a big deal. But, yeah. but the the question is is that is that a passing phase? Will we get to the point oh, where of course you know oh, yeah. of course it's a passing phase and, but, and it well, shouldn't hamstring the the adoption and utilization and of these devices, right? Like so so here's, like here's the, like, so like, I think obviously the fact that there's like zero security in these systems right now, that's going to be passing fast. Like, like people, people are definitely going to prepare and think about the fact that they're, they're, you know, that security is important. But at the same time, what we are seeing with the internet itself right now is that they're, um, y- you know, the attacks are getting better yeah. and more sophisticated. So even yeah. if they start to build in security, do we then still have to worry about increasingly sophisticated attacks involving you know, the, the Internet of Things? Of course. I mean, it, it is. I mean, it'll always be a running fight, right? Uh, people are getting better and better security models yeah. uh, all the time. And, and it, it, that's just, of course, I think, I think, is security important? Obviously, I think trivially so. Security is important. Mm-hmm. Will will there be security challenges in the future? Probably, to a large extent. I think there's certain trends in computer science that make it so that I think the security problem, at least in in some dimensions, will get easier. Like I think I think the fact that every IoT device right now um, is one of two things it's either running a linux kernel of some sort or a bsd kernel mm-hmm. and has some code on it is 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 exposes sort of the surface area for attack is much larger than it needs to be right like these 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 single purpose devices don't need a general purpose operating system with a full yeah. stack on it with all this so sure people but, people but, will but trim those things down and that sure. will make will solve part of the problem then of course you have the sort of the systems, not systems, I would say, but the ecosystem vulnerabilities, like things like DNS and things like that and, mm-hmm. and, and distributed denial of service attacks. And people will, will those are a little bit harder to, to solve, but people will figure out mitigations at least, right? And I don't, I don't think DDoSs are going off 
you know, are not going to disappear anytime soon. And, and people, I think, are rightly concerned that the IoT devices in the world with minimal security are only going to amplify the issue. Mm-hmm. But um, the next generation of IoT devices will benefit from seeing the way that people are sort of exploiting this generation's uh, IoT devices. And I think one way we can incentivize the manufacturers of IoT devices to uh, be more disciplined in sort of the hardware they put out, well, and I should say the hardware and the software stacks that they put out, would be um, to figure out a way to essentially uh, penalize uh, the operators of them, right, That of, of insecure devices. And I, I don't know if there's a clean scheme to do that, but um, I think if we put our mind to it, there's probably a way to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I... I... I worry a little bit because that's what I do. <laughs> I mean, I'm ex- I'm excited about about the possibilities of these things, and I and I'm optimistic about some of the cool features and everything that comes. I I, I worry about you know as more and more stuff gets connected, if we're not really prepared for the security and privacy aspects of it, um, you know, sort of what comes out of that. The privacy aspects is a little more difficult to answer, right? Because there, when we talk about things like, say, like ubiquitous surveillance, right? Like open, mm-hmm. shared, ubiquitous surveillance. When imagery is everywhere, right? Um, the fact that if, if there's a pool of publicly accessible location data or, or even if it's not publicly accessible, let's say, let's say that there's just in a particular city, everybody shares their video camera. I think we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. if everyone's sharing images from their video cameras as part of some like traffic network or whatever it may be, and people can do machine uh, processing on, on, on those images and do recognition of individuals in those images, it's certainly possible for some third party to build a system where you can do a query on an individual and kind of track them through the day, right? And say like, okay, this individual went here and then there. And oh, what were they doing between the hours of four and five when they weren't at work and they weren't at home? Oh, they were having an affair. Like, you know what I mean? Like you could certainly suss out a lot of information about people that they wouldn't necessarily want to share. And it might be difficult for um, for us to sort of make safeguards against that because there's just so such a huge pool of information flowing around, right? That yeah. you could you can make these deductions about people based on just accessing the public information well, about them, yeah. not the, not the private, not the not the personally identifiable information, not by hacking anything, but just simply uh, processing the publicly available information will give you insights that people today would find sort of deeply. Uh, privacy violating but in the future maybe people's standards will change about these things maybe they'll just be like or or they'll be a little bit more circumscribed when it comes to um how they'll behave in public spaces right yeah i mean i yeah i mean that that'll definitely be interesting and i don't know how you deal with that like i mean just the idea of like when you're out in public you know, you still have some expectation of, of a certain element of at least anonymity unless you're, you know, someone famous or whatever. Um, but I, I, the other thing I do worry or wonder about, I guess, is is not that aspect, but, you know, all the data that is collected. And, and it sort of makes me wonder if the intersection of sort of the IoT space and the cloud space, if that'll start to shift and if there will be a push or at least... Um, maybe a segment of the market that focuses on letting you actually control your data as opposed to pushing it out into the cloud. But, you know, I don't know that that may limit the ability of, of certain features when you do that. So uh, it's, it's kind of interesting to, it'll be interesting at least to see how it develops. 
Well, well, the issue about what what information your devices push about you, uh, it's much easier. It, it's easier to wrap your head around that because certainly people can make the choices about the devices that they purchase themselves. And, yeah, and but they might not own. even know how much data is really sure. collecting. Sure, but you could have like industry groups that go out there and say this That's device true. is certified for this, and people will, you know, like companies like Apple can certainly take a stand and say we want to protect our users and do the right thing, and 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 there's certainly going to be that kind of a, and there may be, you know, and if Apple doesn't do it, maybe there'll be the. Uh, Apple phones, and then maybe there'll be some like special phone that's from the that's known to be sort of for the privacy cent, uh, centric type of people, right? So um, you could certainly have that, but 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 that doesn't get you out of the fact that like if there's video feeds for if everyone has a Nest camera just pointed at the street, right? And if those Nest Cam videos are just going into some public cloud, let's not call it the Nest Cam because Nest Cam's footage is is held in a private cloud for you. Mm-hmm. But imagine there's just some open source version of a camera that's handed out to people for free because they want people to sort of just put these cameras around and cameras will be cheap enough in the future that that's certainly possible. And there's just cameras everywhere, these free cameras, and they're just uploading data into their own cloud and they monetize it by letting anyone browse it, any video from any street at any time. That type of a database, it's the only way you can scrub yourself from it is by regulators telling the database owner that they have to do that scrubbing sort of like how um google maps scrubs all the individual faces out of the street view right like so or you that, wear a that, disguise <laughs> yeah or, or you have to wear a disguise when you go outside i guess yeah. but there was know, just a, i saw recently there was like there's like a special pair of sunglasses or something that if if you if it gets in the in a camera it suddenly like it like creates like a giant white splotch like over you really it's like yeah 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 i'll send you the link i just does that really nice. work i mean cameras it, there's different kinds of image yeah sensors. i i don't i don't i didn't look at the details i just saw the image uh, like the mm. the little video of what happened when someone was wearing these special glasses but that's that know, sounds like a black mirror episode <laughs> it does yeah. it does it does so anyways anyways i, I think we're, we're sort of out of time on this and there's there's a lot of interesting things and it's like it's sort of this interesting space that's developing and and because of that it's kind of immature and, and in those immature spaces you see like all sorts of possibilities but also all sorts of questions and challenges and it's part of what makes it interesting but it's also you know i think something we we should revisit again in the future as as these things really do begin to develop but uh, um, uh, I mean, I'll let you guys have any final words if if you have any, any you know, motivational <laughs> things. To I mean, say. I'm excited about the Internet of Things and kind of what the future brings. I mean, there's always these security and privacy fears, but hopefully, it doesn't sound like everyone's not not jumping to any crazy conclusions from it. But you know, hopefully, they'll continue to be reasoned and practical. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm very hopeful. You're very hopeful. I don't know how reasoned and practical people always are, especially something bad will happen. And then I'm the optimist will, on will, this podcast. Will, Remember. You, you, you are, you know, it's your designated role. <laughs> so Hirsch, any, any final words? No, I think you guys heard enough from me today. <laughs> <laughs> no, Hirsch, we, we can always hear more from you. So um, if you want to hear more from Hirsch, then uh, keep listening to the podcast next week because <laughs> we're <laughs> out of time this week. But uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Dennis and Hirsch, for, for doing the podcast. And uh, we'll be back soon with another episode. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.
to grab a shovel and pick up the tap. Duh. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get. 